Welcome back to Two Keto Dudes. This is Carl Franklin from Connecticut in the United States. And in February 2016, I put myself on a ketogenic diet to take control of my metabolism. In just two and a half months, I managed to reverse all my markers of type 2 diabetes with diet alone. As of now, I'm 80 pounds lighter with no signs of diabetes or heart disease. Hi, I'm Richard Morris in Canberra, Australia, and I've been on a ketogenic diet for three years. When I started, I was very sick with complications from type 2 diabetes. Within six months of starting a ketogenic diet, all of my biomarkers of disease had disappeared. I've also lost about 80 pounds, and I've completely turned my health around. And this show is a document of my progress through ketosis and Richard's experience thriving for years in ketosis. Oh, yeah. And hopefully that might help a few people who are curious about this kind of dietary hacking. Yeah, we're not doctors. We don't want to give anyone any medical advice, but we are keen to share our own experiences. We're actually both software developers, so we're not afraid of a little technical detail, are we, Carl? Hell no. (laughs) We have done some research into our own deranged metabolisms and the science behind them, and we hope to share some of that research. Where possible, we intend to put links in the show notes to cite research supporting any claims that we make. Yeah, and you'll probably work out pretty quickly that we're both foodies. Oh, yeah. We love to cook. And we love to eat. Mm -hmm. In every episode, we both share a keto recipe that cannot be ignored. (laughs) It cannot. (laughs) (laughs) So let's start podcast number 67, Tracking Health Data with Dave Krasunski. So Richard, do we have any corrections or apologies from last week? Yeah, last week was Fathead Kids and... Uh, I think Tom nailed it. I don't think we missed anything. Yeah, we didn't find anything that we missed and nobody complained, so that's a good week. Uh, Let's see. So let's revisit what a ketogenic diet is, as we always do. Mm -hmm. That's uh, any diet that puts you in a state of nutritional ketosis, which is essentially done by limiting carbohydrates to 20 grams or less per day. That's it. From green leafy vegetables or nuts, Mm. maybe some dairy, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, you don't want to really change up your protein, don't want to make that too much bigger, maybe one to one and a half grams of protein per day for every kilogram of lean body mass that you have. That's it. Turns out to be like 60 to 100 grams a day for most people. Yeah. And then the rest of our energy we get from fat. Fat. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. We get all of our energy from fat. And the reason why most people think this is weird is because they're not used to eating so much fat. And they still think it's really bad for them, but the science shows us otherwise. Mmm, bacon. (laughs) That's right. So, uh, Richard, how was Black Dog's week? Yeah, Black Dog was actually, Black Dog actually had a really good week, surprisingly. Uh, As you know, last week he had two violent seizures and we thought the end was close. Mm. Uh, But he's had a remarkable recovery and uh, today he went for a walk for the first time ever. So, uh, I mean, for the first time since the injury. And he's returning back. He's probably back maybe 75% of where he was at. Are you feeding uh, him ketogenic? He's back to a ketogenic meal. He's actually eating bacon and eggs every day. That's so, great. Yeah. It doesn't get much more keto than that. <laughs> really, really. So, but while I'm on the subject of dogs, I just want to mention that uh, one of our close friends and an admin from for our, from our forums, Daisy, uh, lost her dog the other day. Wow. Um, it was a sudden thing that just he just stood up and fell over, and that was that was it. Um, wow. Weird expression on his face, and that was it. He was gone. So, um, if you see Daisy around the forums, uh, give her some love. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, sorry about that, Daisy. Anyway, back to better news. How was your week? My week was great. I spent it in Seattle. Wow. At the Microsoft Build Conference, where a lot of people in the business who hadn't seen me in a long time were like, you know, what did you do with Carl? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What have you done with him? Because you're well known in that community. Yeah, very well known. And these are people that I only see once a year or twice a year. And and a lot of them I hadn't seen before since last year. Mm. And, uh, you know, now they're all very curious. You know, I got to get me some of that. What did you do? Yeah. You know, it's 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 really obvious when you don't see somebody for 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 a while. You you don't see the gradual transition. So when you do see them, it's just it's maxing the face. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I did a lot of uh, explaining. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Sure. You know, and uh, Kelly, my wife, who went came with me, mm. you know, she did a lot of eye rolling. Oh no, not the keto thing again! <laughs> <laughs> How many She's times have I heard this? 
<laughs> yeah. I'll be I'm gonna go for a walk, I'll be back in a week. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess you probably ate a lot of steak though. Uh, not just steak, but uh, you know, there were nights where they threw parties and they had pizza, so I ate pizza topping that mm. night. And yeah. you know, they much. had charcuterie another night. That was great. Mm-hmm. And you know, nice. I always found something to eat. I never Never was want for it. But yeah, I did yeah. go out to a very nice steak dinner. Yeah. They have some nice steak restaurants in Seattle. In particular, I'll call one out. It's El Gaucho. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. El Gaucho is, uh, it, it looks, I can't, it's like a multi layer big room. It's like a big room, but the lighting is really low and they have candles on every table. You know, they got a piano player and a sax player in the corner. Nice. You know, it's very, very high class. All the waiters are wearing tuxedos. Perfect. You know, <laughs> Kelly liked it because they were all good looking men. <laughs> as long as they, they bring the steak, se- we don't care. <laughs> yeah, we don't care. They had a really good bourbon list. They had a really good scotch list. So Richard Campbell was mm. really enjoying himself. And, yeah. uh, and the food was amazing. I mean, I had a ribeye that usually there's in a ribeye, uh, the round part in the center is fairly lean. Yeah. You normally toss that, right? I do. I normally <laughs> don't eat it, but this yeah. one was marbled all the way through. It was wonderful. Yeah. It was also very expensive. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and they had some scotches, and uh, Richard knows a bit about scotch, doesn't he? So I'm sure yeah, he Yeah, let me tell himself. you something. <laughs> he he was talking to the scotch guy, and I, well, I guess he was the sommelier, but he was also you know, into the whiskey. And sure. they were talking for 45 minutes before <laughs> before he brought out a bottle that wasn't on the scotch menu. Right. And, Special uh, reserve. And enjoyed that. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So anyway, I just had a great time. Feel great. We'll move, we'll move on to that segment we call... Never gets boring. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> so I'm going to go first. This week I've got one uh, that was in our ketogenic forums, mm-hmm. and this is from uh, our admin, Brenda Zorn, yep. admin and uh, regular guest yes. uh, of the podcast, and her topic is the keto complaint department, and this is all of her ah. complaints. <laughs> and she says, you know, all my sleeves are too long. Favorite T-shirts hang off my shoulders. Old shoes are floppy. Aww. Jackets and coats are like tents and pants are too long. <laughs> <laughs> she says, have patience, my ketopian lovelies. I've been ketogenic for over three years now and my body is still changing, even yeah. though the scale doesn't always move. And that's so true. Yep. And so there's a lot of people in this thread of all <laughs> come up with uh, – <laughs> Interesting complaints about uh, how their keto life is uh, <laughs> a little bit more difficult. Um, <laughs> First world problems. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thin people's problems. Yeah, right. Claire says, yeah, it only takes me 15 minutes to get to and from work on my bike rather than the 40 it used to take on the bus. <laughs> Who will rid me of these troubles? <laughs> uh, Brenda commented that she fasts so long that her grocery bill is bottoming out. <laughs> Such pain. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's terrible. And uh, uh, Katie, Keto Katie says, uh, tell me about it. Our friends with yard chickens keep bringing us the excess eggs they can't eat. What am I supposed to do with all these glorious cage-free <laughs> eggs piling up in the fridge? Uh, so Such jealous. a problem. <laughs> uh, Embarrassment of riches. It, it really is. Yeah, so most of the messages in this thread are from Brenda. She <laughs> she goes on and says one, she says, I have two local butchers who call me when they get extra fatty primals and then charge me $5 less per pound for it. The horror. It's <laughs> so great. Yeah, what are these butchers going to do with all that extra fat that they normally throw away? Who are you going to call? <laughs> Brenda Zorn. <laughs> uh, and then Andrew says, uh, when I put my keys or wallets in my pocket, my pants fall off while buttoned. <laughs> I had this – I know exactly what he means. My bicycle shorts won't stay up. <laughs> he says, I also have many panic attacks when I'm down to one three-packet box of Kerry Gold. <laughs> yeah, you know, your CPA is going to say, wait a minute, it looks like your food budget went down by – factor of two, but your clothes budget went up by a factor of three. What's going exactly. on here? <laughs> exactly. Good luck explaining that to the tax man. That's right. My comment in that thread was that uh, I, I seem to not be able to produce enough trash. Oh, that's My terrible. trash bin goes to the curb sort of, uh, you know, three quarters empty every oh, week. Yeah, I so, know. I know the feeling. Instead of being overflowing, yeah. 
So anyway, mm. that was that that was uh, so that was an interesting thread. Lots of uh, interesting <laughs> lots of, comments. Lots of interesting comments of all the problems. Of of all the problems. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I've got one here also from the forum. And uh, I won't say who it was because I don't want to embarrass this person, but uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to be embarrassing, but the topic is crap. I relapsed. Uh-oh. 12 <laughs> steps, anyone? Oh, no. <laughs> I didn't even have to read the message, but the answer is bacon and eggs. Yeah, there's only one step. <laughs> Just one step. How many times do we have to tell you people bacon and eggs? Yeah, That's how exactly. you get That's back on the need. horse. Yeah. How do you get rid of keto flu? Bacon and eggs. Bacon and eggs. What do I eat? Bacon and eggs. Bacon and eggs. (laughs) Oh, you can have scrambled eggs, fried eggs, boiled eggs, eggs gumbo. (laughs) Eggs Florentine. Eggs Florentine. (laughs) Yeah. And the actual message uh, says, well, there you have it. I can't eat around non-keto people, at least for a while. I cracked. Wheat is literally like crack. I even ate first. My heart was pounding and everything. Wow, stupid carbs being as addictive as cocaine. Ugh. Ugh. And the answer, of course, bacon and eggs. You don't need 12 steps. You don't need a book. It's only one (laughs) step. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. So that's all I got. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, this is normally going to be the place in the show where we pick somebody from the fan club and Mm. we give them a prize of some kind. Yeah. However, we don't yet have our list, mm. so next week, we hope, we'll have uh, a list of people to pick from, and uh, we'll we'll give away a prize. So if you haven't already signed up for the fan club, just go to fanclub.2keto.com and answer a few questions and join the fan club, and next week, we're going to draw our first fan, and we're going to send a prize out. All right, Richard. Well, that brings us to our guest today. We're very excited to have on the show Dave Krasinski. Yeah. He's a San Francisco Bay Area guy, originally from Canada, as a fellow technologist. He's in the tech world like we are. Yeah. And he's working on some software to help people with uh, the ketogenic diet, but in a really, really interesting way. It's called Heads Up Health. And we're going to let him talk about it. Hi, Dave. Gentlemen, thanks for having me. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for being here. Um, I heard about this software as being a little bit different from your typical um, my fitness pal or food logger in that you're aggregating a lot of data from a lot of people in a lot of other places. Is that a fair assessment to say that's what sets you apart? I think so. I think what we're trying to do is, is be the glue that, that binds everything together. Because what we've noticed is that people tend to use a number of different tools to help them. Right. And right. different people get value from different types of data. And so we wanted to, first of all, pull all the pieces together for individuals. And then the second part that was really important was helping people see how their lifestyle choices are affecting their actual clinical outcomes, their Mm -hmm. medical outcomes, lab test results and things of that nature. A1C, for example, inflammation markers, Mm -hmm. because those two things are tightly correlated. So, yes, we're, Mm -hmm. we're pulling things together and then also helping people see how it affects their clinical outcomes. That was a big part of the vision for this. Right. So most of this data is in silos. So you've got your fitness data is in your Apple Health, or it might be in Microsoft Health, or it might be in Samsung Health in, in, in the case of MyWatch, and, mm. and, uh, or it could be MyFitnessPal might have um, some of your effort, Strava might have, and, and, and then your doctor's got all of your diagnostic information. Mm. Um, you, so you're pulling all of these silos together. Most of these organizations, um, they like to keep that to themselves. So yeah. that must have been quite an interesting experience, convincing them to release that information. So um, I'd be interested to hear that story. Yeah. Well, the nice thing is that even though these companies like to – keep their data within their own entity, they've all produced APIs, which simply means that there is a connection, a developer API, so that there is an opportunity to connect into that system and pull the data out. Yeah, and an API is an application programmable interface. It just means we can pull the data out. And so even though all of these products are siloed, we can still hook in, get all the data out, and then clean it up for people and give them tools so that it can all be centrally managed. Yeah. So I guess the the simple explanation for this product is it enables people to see all their information from all of these disparate 
locations all in one place collected as, as usable, actionable um, information, right? That was the whole goal mm. because mm. That, was, that was very transformational when I had to work on my own health challenges back in 2012. I was using a spreadsheet at the time, mm. but for me, it was incredibly powerful being able to see all of that information as the patient and having it all in one place so I could see the connections, the trends, the correlations that my doctor couldn't see. Right. And, and that was the goal. I genuinely believed that data was something that could be very powerful for anyone who's working on their health. It just needed to be pulled together and presented in ways that were useful. That was the thesis. How does one go about getting access to their health records? Do they go to their doctor and say, hey, what's the API key? You know, I don't think your doctor's going to have any idea. No, definitely not. That part is a little bit dependent on where you live. And so within the United States here, most health systems now are, are allowing the data to be extracted electronically. So that's a that's a game changer for a lot of people because you don't even have to phone the doctor anymore and ask for the records. Who do you ask? You literally just connect to your medical facility through Heads Up Health. And the data is synchronized just like you'd synchronize a Fitbit. So when you sign in to, to Heads Up and it asks you for your Fitbit username and password, most health systems have a patient portal where you can log in and, and look at your test results. Yeah. And so using that same set of credentials, we can synchronize the medical data as well. Now, as you guys know, because you were doing some testing, that's not the case in Australia. No. So in other countries, it's still a situation where people have to enter that data manually which some of them do. And we still don't have support for international units, as you probably also noticed. So sure. we're not quite there yet internationally with the medical records part. We do have a lot of people who are using it, but they have to convert the medical units sometimes. Right. Mm -hmm. So within the U.S. where we started, it's much more advanced. And then in other countries, it's a situation where people are, are internet data manually, at least for the time being. Yeah. I actually lived in America from 98 to 2006. And when I uh, got into Heads Up Health, I looked up my doctor from uh, who I had in Las Vegas. And he was in there and I could actually apply for the API key. But, of course, this data is all very old, so it won't, mm. be, in, it won't be digitized yet. So, mm. unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, in Australia, we're, we're in the process of putting together a, a national scheme run by the government. And I think that the APIs are available, but you have to apply and be certified. And, and there are like this, like the, I think there's, there's standards in the US you have to uh, abide by. And I think that Australia is working on the same kinds of things. So same thing. We have to go through all of the legal requirements and agreements to make that possible. But it's exciting to yeah. hear that that's going to be available out there yeah. as well, because I think it's huge when when yeah. consumers can get access to that data because they're much more invested in it and they're much more inclined to check it regularly and Definitely. see how the numbers are changing mm -hmm. as they go keto and introduce different lifestyle changes. So it's awesome that it's happening there. Yeah. So is it possible for you to contribute any of your data to a larger database that can then be used for uh, studies? Certainly, there's a way to aggregate data that can be used for research internally, first and foremost. And as part of larger research efforts, I think there's a lot of people trying to understand really the at scale how these, these lifestyle therapies and interventions work. Mm. And if the, the data can be used towards scientific and research applications, I think that would be incredible. Naturally, you need a lot of data before it becomes meaningful. And right now we're, we're serving a very small community of people. But I think if we can get to scale, much like we saw in, in Breckenridge when we were there together, yeah. all, of, yeah. all of the researchers are looking for ways to continue to fight this uphill battle. Yeah. And if we can start to provide more ammunition for that, I think it would be incredible. So what would that look like when I sign in to, my, to get my data from my medical establishment? There may be categories of things that I'd want to share and some things that I wouldn't want to share and uh, just contribute that to a sort of a, a big data collection somewhere. Yeah, I think, first of all, we, we're still in beta, so we're not, we're not doing any of that yet. That's, yeah. that's something that will come down the road. But the way most sure. companies do it is they give people an opportunity to uh, anonymously donate their data which means mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. completely stripped away of anything personally identifiable. Right. And it's something you opt in to do. 
And then that becomes part of an aggregated set that can be used for research purposes. Nice. I think that seems to be a really nice way to do it. I mean, can you imagine having some sort of, let's say you, you're on a ketogenic diet and you mm-hmm. think you're doing it right, and then you get some gout or something, or you mm-hmm. get some, you know, I don't know, a, a swollen toe. It could be anything that, you know, and you're like, <laughs> so how many people have a swollen toe uh, you know, after doing a ketogenic diet, uh, you know, within three weeks. Oh, look at this. These are the discoveries. These, yeah. are, these are the little yeah. nuggets of gold in the data. And we may find a yeah. very strong correlation between toe infections and the ketogenic diet. <laughs> who, who, know, right. who, who knows what kinds of things are going to come out of it? You just don't know until yeah. you have a lot of information and you have some really smart data scientists that start hacking on it and finding these connections how cool would that be? Yeah. These people can find incredible things in data. And as you guys know, with with machine learning now starting to be oh, able yeah. to apply to this types of things. And and that starts to make connections and discoveries that are things we, we could possibly never even come up with. Mm. And so that's where it starts to get really, really intriguing is when you can get enough data and start to apply some of these algorithms to it and start to see what comes out on the other end. I just read a study recently where some in, some researchers had applied machine learning to just routine clinical data, hmm. lipid panel data. Okay, hmm. yeah. And they were able to predict cardiovascular disease at an extremely high success rate just by wow. running machine learning on, on routine clinical data. Wow. That's how, how intelligent things are getting. And so hmm. there's incredible possibility there. It's really exciting. How about the possibility of you know, bad data and noisy data corrupting your uh, efforts in, in, in working against you. I know from my talks with data scientists on .NET Rocks, uh, which is a programming show that I've been doing for 14 years, <laughs> that data scientists spend most of their time cleaning data. And what I mean by that is taking out errant responses that don't make any sense, um, you know, going through and re- reducing duplicates, things like that, just making sure that the data is in the right format to be analyzed correctly. So what is the chance that um, that something like that is going to confound uh, any type of query that you're doing? I think the nice thing is that everything that we're doing is all using state-of-the-art APIs. So all, all of the medical records is coming directly as it would come from yeah. the medical facility. We still have to do a lot of work. You're, you're familiar with the term normalizing data, sure. which just yeah. means you, you get a thousand different formats thrown at you. <laughs> yeah. And you have to have people that can clean it all up and make it useful. So a great example in our system is my own cholesterol readings where I have 10, 10 measurements, but I think they all came from different doctors just because mm. I've moved around and, and lived abroad. Sure. So all of those cholesterol readings come in in a different format. So we yeah. have to normalize and cleanse all of that data. I think another area is a lot of this consumer technology and just yeah. how accurate some of those things are. Right. I, I would surmise that there's, there's variance between different $19 glucometers that you get at Walgreens, <laughs> yeah. for example. And not only that, but the, there's different weights that can be applied to data. For example, if you're, if you're entering data directly from your glucometer or from your smartwatch mm-hmm. or whatever, that's pretty reliable data. But if you're using a food diary that somebody has to manually put in what they eat, obviously that's where it gets hard, you know? So, mm-hmm. so when you, correlate things based on what they eat, based on what they said they eat, you know, that's not as, that doesn't have as big of a significant weight. Absolutely. Yep. Agreed. Especially when it's dependent on the individual to report it, put in readings that may or may not be accurate Hmm. or perhaps certain data is withheld from the system. Right. Yeah. There's Oreos. We didn't, we didn't tell, uh, we didn't tell anybody we binged on Oreos, right? Let's let's skip that blood blood sugar reading in the system. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to see that number. I yeah. certainly don't want anyone else to see it. Exactly. So we'll just exclude that one. And, and wow, the average is really good this month. <laughs> right. So those those are inherent risks, and I think it's human nature to want to avoid those measurements. I certainly have that tendency myself. I'm yeah. I'm a pretty avid person about just keeping an eye on blood sugar and stuff like right. that. And I know I cringe yeah, sometimes when I when I check it and I think, yeah, do I really need to enter this one? And and that's part of human nature. It is. So there's certain things that are within our control. There's certain things with that that aren't that said i still think that the the possibilities are very interesting oh yeah you know it it occurred to me that i'd been checking my ketones pretty pretty religiously for about four or five months Mm. and i'd also been wearing a sleep tracker 
pretty religiously. Mm-hmm. And I had been hearing anecdotally that you you may sleep less as you get into deeper states of ketosis. And right. I've certainly experienced yeah. where I've been deep in ketosis. And and I just wake up with, with an hour less sleep and feel like incredible. Yeah, me too. And yeah. so my, my friend, my friend Joachim is a data scientist and I sent him all of the data. I sent him the ketone data and all of the sleep data for six months and said, go figure this out. And one of them came from a, a, a Fitbit device on my wrist, and mm-hmm. the other one came from the Precision Extra okay. yeah. ketone meter. I think it's called something different in Australia, correct? Yeah, Precision Neo. Yeah, yeah, Neo in Australia. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, these are two completely different data sets, and we analyzed it, and we, we ran the correlation analysis on it. And I'll, I'll send you guys the output on it, but we were able to yeah. see very, very clearly at, at what level of ketosis does my sleep start to go down. Wow. Wow. That's the way to compare two things that we had some theories, but how would you ever really figure that out? And then if, if we could do that now for a thousand people and get yeah. something really, really statistically significant. That's yeah. the part that's really interesting is these dots that have never been connected before. How do we connect them? So that's, that's so cool. one example of some stuff we did. You know what I, f- I find interesting is that so many engineers and programmers and uh, really tech technical nerds are taking over this um, this yeah. area because you look at it. I mean, Ted Naiman was an engineer before he became a doctor. Yeah. Richard Bern- uh, Bernstein was a uh, Dr. Bernstein was a an engineer before he ca- became a doctor. Ivor Cummings is a, is a chemical engineer. Yeah. Uh, Dave Feldman and, and you. Felt Marty Kendall. Uh, I mean, Marty Kendall's a, a civil engineer. Uh, we three uh, are all programmers, and mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, uh, it's fascinating how engineers seem to be seem to be taking this on and really saying, okay, where is the data? How can we build correlations? How can we get machine learning on this? How can we find? correlations that a human being wouldn't find in this data by doing a massive multivariate analysis. I mean, these are the kinds of things that that are in our ballpark, in our wheelhouse, and this is something that medical researchers traditionally, probably it was a foreign language to them. And engineers are particularly good at this because they're not fooled by what looks really simple doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that the mechanism behind it is simple. You know, our job as engineers and software developers especially is to come up with something that's easy to use, but behind that button click could be this whole complex system. And so we're used to discovering complexity and and wrapping our head around it. And I think that's what makes it pretty good for us. So I'm, I'm interested in how you got here. What was your background? How did you get to working on this really fascinating app? Well, my background is in enterprise technology. So I've, I've spent my whole career living inside data centers yeah. and building data centers, virtualizing data centers, setting up disaster recovery instances, all, all kinds of infrastructure and, and data center related work. I, I spent seven years working at VMware mm-hmm. and working on virtualization and cloud for many, many years. Nice. And I'd always been very intrigued in the whole notion of quantified self. I got really mm. enchanted with that idea and and started measuring a lot of things on myself. I don't know if you guys remember the Zio, but that was this sleep tracker that used to be out there. Right. That was one of the first that could give you give you really accurate information about how much time you spent in deep sleep versus mm. REM sleep, and mm. just got intrigued mm. with with the idea of using all that information just for personal performance and hacking. Right. Yeah. Then, uh, as I mentioned, I, I went through an extremely stressful period in my life around the 2012 time frame, and I'm sure many can, people can relate. But when when mental stress starts to get very intense, sometimes you begin to have physical symptoms associated yeah. with that stress, right. which which occurred to me for the first time in my life. And it was pretty scary. And what I was able to do was actually rely on a lot of the data that I had collected and start to test different lifestyle interventions, meditation being one example wow. that I sure. was able to use. And then also working with a functional medicine doctor who was able to do some things around just looking at different systems in the body that my GP had had not paid attention to because they have different schools of thought right. in terms of yeah. how they approach health. Functional medicine is looking at the, the GI tract and they're looking for infection and they're looking for inflammation, things that cause stress internally to the body separate from, from the mental stress. So right. the problem right. was my functional medicine doctor was in Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. And 
my medical records were in California, Massachusetts, mm. ah. and Canada, where yeah. I grew up. <laughs> so yeah. I put them all on a spreadsheet, and I would just Skype with a doctor in Austin, Texas. We'd screen share, and we'd implement the protocols for three months. Here's the supplements. Here's the tests. Yeah. And that was transformational. And I right. said, how do I take this glorified spreadsheet, essentially, and and provide it in, in a software application so that other people who are in the same situation can do the same thing. And I've been working on it for, for a couple of years now, but, but that's the genesis for how it all started. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's fascinating because uh, I, I can foresee a future where uh, a lot of medicine is done via telemedicine, mm-hmm. via screen sharing, via you know, Skype. Mm-hmm. We're on a Skype channel right now. I'm in Australia, you're, in, uh, you're on the West Coast and Carl's on the East Coast and, right. uh, and we're carrying out a conversation. I can foresee a future where a lot of medicine is done that way and maybe uh, for people to, um, to be introduced to a particular functional medicine expert – a system like yours might actually be become a referral point for you know finding somebody. Here's a here's a here's a diagnostic that I'm interested in. Where can I find a specialist that can explain that to me right. and hook me up with a Skype channel? I mean, that's you know right. the the possibility of heads up health is that it can it can really take a proactive role in uh, in people's um, um, uh, personal medicine. That's the vision. And even if that doctor's never seen you before, they're, they're connected to your profile and they instantly have your entire health history, whether that doctor's wow. in Australia or New York or California. I think the other trend <clears throat> that's becoming more prominent is, is the desire for people to want to self-manage yeah, and to right. want to take control of the situation. I mean, that's, that's our whole community. Mm. Everyone mm. in keto has <laughs> effectively said, I, I want to take control of the situation. I, I want to make these changes in my lifestyle. I'm going to do it myself. There's just not a lot of conventionally trained doctors that guide you on this path. So yeah. we're all self-managing at the end of the day. Right. And, and how do we give people tools to be more successful at self-managing? That's what you guys are doing. That's what yeah. I'm doing, each, each in our own way. But I'd be curious on your thoughts, which is people in this community who are, are self-managing already and just need tools to help them be successful there. Right. We're right. all using that spreadsheet, aren't we, Carl? Well, yeah. And I think my fitness pal is sort of the go-to thing that people use to track their their macros, you know, when they do keto. That even if they're not geeks or they're not anything, you know, that's that seems sure. to be a, 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 a common thing that people do. If they're even if they're mm-hmm. not capturing any hard data, I think the most interesting part of this whole journey has been the the people that we see coming into our system, and, and presumably the people you guys are seeing as well. And when I first built this, I said, "Well, this will be for the quantified self people, mm-hmm. and right. and the the people who are inclined to use data, yeah, the nerds, etc." That was what we thought when we started out. It's the exact opposite. Uh-huh. The most the most hardcore users we have are sixty five year old people in small town, rural, who knows where. Wow, that are yeah. just killing it, and they're they're measuring things, and they've got it dialed in, and they're tracking, and they're having incredible outcomes, and that's the most exciting part. And I think there's yeah. there's one of our users, Ginny, who I think you guys know from your forums. Yeah. We did yeah. a, a t- case study on on her and. A very non-technical person who is having some very, very powerful changes in her health mm. and, and using data along the way. So that's been the that's most awesome. fun part is just to see that it's been the, the opposite of who we thought would be the, the mm. most active users so in the cool. system. Very non-technical people seem yeah. to be very comfortable with data. Yeah, I think we have a lot of people in that sort of 50 to 60-year-old age bracket because a lot of metabolic diseases sort of show up at that age. Yeah. And that's where people become interested. And, and that's really what we are doing is we got uh, we got out from under type 2 diabetes and we're trying to help other people do that because that is a tsunami of, uh, of illness that's heading towards us and it's going yeah. to bankrupt our medical um, systems if we don't do something about it. So for us, the urgency is there and for our audience, we have, I think we've had like 120,000 people download some of our podcasts. Mm. It's a very, it's a much bigger than we ever expected it to, it to be. We thought we'd have like, we thought we'd have a couple of hundred people would right. be interested <laughs> in a podcast about diabetes and, <laughs> and all of a sudden it's blowing up out of all proportion. And, and they're all, they're all in that age group, as you say. You the same similar group as you have mm. very committed very interested in their in their in their health dave how many users do you have can you estimate yeah we're we're, we're small so we're, we're just mostly growing organically i think we're we're almost at about 
5,000 as of, as of today. That's pretty cool. And yeah. It's, and it's still in it's, beta? It's getting there. It's still in beta. We're adding new things on, on a regular basis. We just added the fasting timer, which people really seem to like. Nice. Yeah. We, worked with, we worked with uh, Dr. Seafried over at Boston College to get access to the glucose ketone index calculator, mm -hmm. which Excellent. a lot of the people with uh, cancer on our system are using yeah. because that's a really important metric to manage tumor growth. So mm -hmm. there's, there's, there's different tools that are coming in. We, we noticed a lot of people on keto actually prefer to manage their body composition by tracking measurements rather than using a scale. Yes. Totally. Adding the ability to track body measurements is is something that just came in. Mm. So we're really just guiding the product based on the the queries that we get from our users. And so there's always stuff showing up on a weekly basis. There's still a ton more work to do. Yeah. As you guys know, when you've got a full-time gig and you're yeah. also doing something you're passionate about on the side, it doesn't always happen as fast as you'd like it to happen. Right, right. There's still a lot of work to do just on polish and user experience and stuff like that. But so far, so good. We've got a lot of people that seem to be getting a lot of good value out of it. So, And how do we get Heads Up Health? How do we get it? You can sign up online. Right now, we're just a web application. It works pretty good on mobile, yeah. uh, just using the, the browser. There's, okay. We're, we're going to package it up into a, into a mobile web app soon. But we do have a lot of people that use it on phone or tablet. It's, it's engineered first and foremost because you're looking at a lot of information. Right. When yeah. you're looking at 10 years of cholesterol data and trying to look at that on a graph with your blood sugar readings, for example, mm. that is – and with a lot of analytics products, as you guys may know – they're they're more oriented towards a larger screen, yeah. Just because yeah. of the amount of information that's being pulled in. So we started with web. Yeah. I think that's kind of uh, backwards for most apps these days. It seems most yeah, apps mobile start first, with mobile yeah. and then yeah. go to web. But we made a choice to start with web. So you can go and create an account, start hacking on it, start logging some data, send us feedback, and yeah, it's it's just out there for people right now to experiment with. That's great. Headsuphealth.com, right? Yep. Awesome. Dave, what's next? What's what's on your uh, to-do list? Well, I think it's just continuing to refine. I think it's out there and just continuing to gather feedback. As you guys know, with software products, they just get better every day yeah. as you keep making improvements and keep refining them. So yeah. it's just it's just an ongoing process. It's been an, a labor of love. So it's been a wonderful journey. So I think it's more just continuing to refine and continuing to listen to our users and and there's one woman who's on our advisory board and, and she distilled it down into the most simple set of words. She said, Dave, just build something useful. And mm -hmm. so that's, that's where we're focused <laughs> is just trying to build something that, that adds value to the world and to people's lives. Awesome. That's awesome. Dave yeah. Krasinski, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Likewise. Looking forward to seeing you guys this summer. Yeah. Keto Fest. Yeah, we should mention that you're actually one of our co-founders of uh, Keto Fest. You, you'll have a booth there and, uh, and everyone can come and talk to you about Heads Up Health. Yeah, that would be great. I'd love to meet more of the listeners while we're out there. It should be a ton of fun, nice summer summer event out on the East Coast. Yep. So that should be great. I'll be looking forward to catching up with you guys again and, and anyone else who's there who wants to stop by and say hello. Definitely. Thanks, Dave. We'll talk to you then, Dave. Yeah. Well, Richard, I'm really excited about Heads Up Health and where, where I see it going in the next few years is unbelievable yeah dave's our kind of guy he's a developer like us and right. uh, he gets data and uh you know it's going to be interesting as more and more people put their data in um how we can get actionable information out of it absolutely hey man are you hungry i'm hungry <laughs> all right let's make some <laughs> recipes Sizzle, sizzle. Is that what you said? Yes. Yeah, All right. <laughs> so I've got a recipe. Go I'm going to go first. It's actually, I got this recipe from my good friend, Carl Franklin. What? Hey, that <laughs> yeah, should be my recipe. We your, yeah, I'm pinching your recipe. That's all so right. When, so when I was visiting after Breckenridge, yeah. um, we spent some time in the kitchen. We Initially, we decided we were going to fast, right? Yeah, we did. And we were going to fast for like a whole week. I know. What were we thinking? <laughs> Which was – what a stupid thing. Anyway, it was a dumb It didn't idea. last very long. I think it lasted a, a, a day and a half or two days. Yeah, right. But so that first day, you cooked for Kelly and yeah. you made her some chicken salad. Yes. And I wanted to try it 
but because I, I'd never tried chicken salad before, but you know, I was fasting, so right. I waited until I got back to Australia, and then I made it following your your recipe, yeah. and it was delicious. And it's become a staple for us. And seriously, it's a, it's one of the cheapest meals that we can have. It's it's like and very easy to make. Very easy to make. Anybody can do it. So. Yep. A lot of people don't know this, but we're actually working on a cookbook, which is yep. designed for low-carb, low-cost meals that anyone can do 365 days a year, yep. uh, no matter what your budget. And this is going to be in there because this is really one of the cheapest meals that we can make. It ends up being about $2 per person. And uh, it consists of a barbecue chook that you buy from a supermarket. Or in the States, we call them rotisserie chickens. That's what I should stop calling them chooks because that's a very Australian <laughs> thing to call them. That's okay. But so it's a rotisserie chicken. And in Australia, they're about $8. In America, they're like $5. Yeah. And you take it home and you pull all the meat off it, pull all the flesh off, make sure you remove any bones, put the bones in a pot. Yeah. Uh, because you don't want to end up uh, uh, suffering the same experience as Shane Barnbrook, who uh, was on our uh, episode 42. The bones and the skin. Go back and listen to that. Yeah. Yeah. Put all the but I eat I eat the skin I, I chop okay. the skin up into it but but, okay, yeah, but you yeah. know you put all the bones and grisly bits all the bits that you don't want to eat and you basically end up with a chopping board full of the flesh that you've pulled off this barbecue chicken yep and then you get a a, a cleaver and you chop it up into small pieces yep and you put that into a bowl and then you add some mayonnaise to the bowl and then what we're going to do is we're going to chop up some celery. Mm-hmm. For a whole barbecue chook, I end up with maybe two sticks of celery. Two long sticks, yeah. Yeah, two long sticks. And now to prepare celery, because celery is sort of like stringy, what mm-hmm. you want to do is you want to uh, cut longitudinally down the sticks. Yep. And you want to cut it probably four or six times to, into thin strips. Yeah. And then then you take those strips and you cut them um horizontally and so you're basically going to cut them into a you're cutting them into a very fine dice the dice is going to be about two millimeter cube dice and you throw that in the in the chicken and mayonnaise mix add a little bit of salt a little bit of pepper and you mix it up and uh that's your chicken salad that's it it. it's so easy i use celery salt all right and about a cup of mayonnaise do it to taste yeah, I think I, I I just do it for the texture. I want to get it to I, I don't want it to be too moist. So the mayonnaise is just to 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 basically moisten what is really. I mean, chicken is really quite lean. You know, yeah, it as, is as far as meats go. Yep. So uh, so it's it's just really to add fat to the meat. Now the so what you do with the pot for, full of bones? What I do is I put it into an instant pot, mm-hmm. and I put in a couple of cups of water. And add the root of the celery, um, yep. and uh, maybe a couple of all of the leaves that I've pulled off the stick. If the stick you got came with leaves, a little apple cider vinegar, bit of apple cider vinegar, an old onion that was, you know, some sage, some rosemary, whatever kind of yeah, herbs you want. Absolutely, parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme. They're always <laughs> good with chicken. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and throw them into the instant pot. Chuck it, chuck it on for an hour. When it comes out, have a taste of it. It'll probably need a bit of salt. Add a little bit of salt. Put it in for another hour. When it comes out, uh, strain it. And yeah. what you've got is chicken broth. Bone and broth. So yeah. Bone broth, exactly. It's delicious. And so so when I um, cook that up, I basically put it into a pot, put in maybe three cups of bone broth. I'm going to make two cups. I'm going to reduce it to two cups worth, and then I'm just going to add a little bit of cream, and that's cream of chicken soup. Easy peasy. Easy peasy. So this meal is going to cost you probably about $10 all up, and – out of a small chicken, we can get four meals, and then you've got the bone broth as well. That's a very good economy. Yeah, I'd say it's even like seven bucks in the U.S. Just yeah, not a whole lot of money for a lot of food. It, no. And when I make this for Kelly, she puts it in sliced smoked gouda. You know, oh, you can get it at the nice. deli yeah. and eats it like a taco, mm-hmm. and she loves it. She eat, she eats on a whole chicken salad for a week, week and a half. Yeah, that's nice. We have a we get uh, cos lettuce leaves. Just yeah. wash them and uh, eat them like sang cho bao, like you know, like a lettuce wrap. Delicious, absolutely delicious. Yeah, in the U.S. we get bib lettuce, right? And sometimes you can even find it hydroponic. You know, they they have it in the in the. Mm, yeah. But they you just basically yeah. take out take a leaf and you can just put it in there and munch out. Good stuff. Nice, awesome. So that's my recipe. That is it's an awesome <laughs> recipe. It's like a one-two punch. Yeah. 
So what do you got? Okay. Well, first of all, before I tell you my recipe, I want to tell you, I, I went to the supermarket the other day mm-hmm. looking for some butterflied, already butterflied leg of lamb. Mm. And they had some, but they also had a, a whole leg of lamb with the bone in it. Right. And it was so cheap. It was... It was a $60 leg of lamb, and it was reduced on sale twice, oh, and wow. it was like 12 bucks. Oh, you got to take I have that. to get the it. The bone's the best part. That's right. So I took it home. I butterflied it myself. I cut right. the meat all off the bones. Yeah. I broke the bone leg mm-hmm. so that I had the pieces that could fit in an Instant Pot. Yeah. And I braised those bone legs with the meat, you know, a little bit of meat and stuff sure. on them. Yeah. I, I broiled them until they were crispy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. And then I put them in the Instapot, and I made the best lamb stock. Mm. It was so good, nice. and everybody loved it. I mean, yeah. I, I had to freeze it because I couldn't eat all of it. Wow. So I froze it in a bag and froze some in ice cube trays, and man, I'm going to be feasting off that for a long, long time. And of course, the lamb was so good. Lamb is so nice, isn't it? Yeah, it is. What I did was butterflied it, covered it in olive oil and garlic, and salt and pepper, and I put it on a red hot grill outside to sear and get grill marks on it. And then I put it in the oven, you know, for like 200 degrees, and then brought it up to a medium rare, 130 Fahrenheit. And that was so good. <laughs> All nice. Right. But that's not my recipe. Actually, I should have saved yeah, that for another show, shouldn't that. I have? Yeah. Oh, well. All right. Well, here's my recipe. Last night, I was in a fish mood. Mm. So I went to my local fish store, and I got this huge Alaskan cod filet. It was two pounds worth of fish. Wow. And I chopped that up into pieces, dredged it in, you know, what is now famously our keto breadcrumbs, right? right? Three parts pork rinds to one part parmesan, Mm -hmm. chopped up, and uh, cooked that in olive oil. And I made a tartar sauce. And this time I finally got the tartar sauce right. The reason right. I make tartar sauce is I don't trust tartar sauce in a jar, even no. if it says zero sugar. Because if it's a commercial mayonnaise, it's 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 most likely got starches in it to gel it. They don't trust an emulsion um, to sit on the shelf for long enough. Well, I actually do use commercial mayonnaise. Okay. I'm not so worried about that, and that's mm-hmm. never been a problem for me. But I don't trust the tartar sauce because sometimes it has sugars in it that don't register if you only eat a tablespoon. Right. And the problem is I eat more than a tablespoon. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I love tartar sauce. Yeah. yeah. It's delicious. So the first time I made tartar sauce, I took some dill pickles and I chopped them up and I put them in, you know, uh, a, a bowl with some mayonnaise and some fresh mm-hmm. dill and salt and whatever. Yeah. And it was good, but it was really watery. Mm. And then, so I figured the next time I'd dry the pickles out. And that's what I did. I took about a third of a cup of pickles to a cup of mayonnaise, and I chopped up the pickles, and then I put them between paper towels and just squeezed the daylights out of them to get all the juice out. So these are really cornichons, aren't they? Little baby pickles? No, I don't know what that is, but they're dill spears. Okay. What's a cornichon? A cornichon's a really small little cucumber. Oh, um, like gherkins. Yeah, like a really small gherkin, like half, half the size of a gherkin. Oh, okay, yeah. Sorry. That's okay. Little diversion. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. I actually used yeah. dill spears. Right. Classic dill spears. So I Mm -hmm. used, I don't know, maybe three of them and chopped them up fine and then just squeezed all the juice out of them. Right. Right. So on the one hand, the juice has the flavor. On the other hand, Mm. you know, I don't want watery tartar sauce. I suppose what you could do is take pickle juice and reduce it down till it's like a syrup. Sure. Like a syrup. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't do that. Instead, I took fresh dill dill weed mm-hmm. and oh, okay. just pulled it off with my fingers and, you know, maybe a couple of sprigs, three or four sprigs worth. Yeah. And I mixed that in there and I tasted it and it was good, but I still needed a little bite. So I put in a little lemon zest. Mm-hmm. I didn't squeeze the lemon juice in there. You can if you want. I, ju- yeah. I just wanted thicker sauce. Right. And I also put in a drop of stevia. Nice. So you didn't put any capers in at all? No, I didn't put capers in. Maybe that's a mm. good thing to do. Maybe I'll do that next yeah, time. Yeah, that's that's really that's that's really the essence of that tartar tartar flavor. The caper, okay, caper flowers. Yeah. Well, there you go. Put some capers in. Put some capers in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So when we make our 
uh, fennel salad, we use uh, capers and blueberries and, and, and little cornichons, which are like the little – so it's basically like a, a tartar sauce flavour mm. um, with fennels. Nice. It's quite a nice flavour, actually, yeah. Wow, but wow, wow. Capers are, capers are the trick for, for, uh, for making a good tartar sauce. So. I'll do that next time. When I put the recipe online, I'll add some chopped capers. Yeah. Well, that's our show, Richard. That is. <laughs> Of course, if you have anything that you want to tell us, something we said wrong, something you don't agree with, some more research that you found to support or refute anything that we've said, mm. send it by email to dudes at 2ketodudes.com or post it on our website. While you're at it, register for KetoFest at KetoFest.com. <laughs> yeah. And you can follow us on Twitter at 2KetoDudes or on Instagram at 2KetoDudes. Make sure to use the hashtag 2KetoDudes. Two keto dudes, two keto dudes. <laughs> and of course, if you want to join our forum, it's forum.2keto.com. And if useless swag is your fancy, you know, T-shirts, coffee mugs, and other junk with witty keto sayings and our ugly mugs on them, <laughs> head over to gear.2keto.com. And now you can join the Two Keto Dudes fan yeah. club. You'll be eligible to win something in every show. Especially next week. <laughs> right. Go to fanclub.2keto.com. And if you feel like supporting our podcast and our forums, hit the donate button on our website at www.2ketodudes.com or just go to donate.2keto.com. You can also see our podcast and other videos on YouTube at youtube.2keto.com. And if you haven't already, go leave a great review on iTunes. And I've got to mention, I've seen the iTunes reviews for the first time ever. Yeah. There are some really nice comments. Thank you very much, people. Yeah, thank you very much. We just took a look for the first time in a long, long yeah. time, and we've got like right. 50 five-star reviews out there. So thanks. Incredible. Thank you, people. Yeah. Anyway, keep calm and keto on. <laughs> yeah, keep calm and keto on, Richard. And we'll see you next time on, on Two, Two Keto, keto Dudes. Dudes.